Before I get started, I want everybody to say, the Father knows what I need. And now look at somebody and say, the Father knows what we need. Amen. And now say out loud, the Father knows what the sheep needs. And last thing, say, the Father knows what his children need. Yes, he does. Amen. Now, the reason why I had you say that is to say, <laughs> I had put together this great, elaborate message. It was good to me. I was eating from it. I said, ooh, this is good. Thank you, Abba. <laughs> hey. And then as I'm tired, I'm almost done with this thing. It's Tuesday. I said, ooh, this is good. And basically what I was going to teach you on, I was going to teach you how to recognize different spirits in which you come into contact with in regards to discernment. So basically, how would you know if you were in the midst of a spirit of infirmity? How would you know you were in the midst of a rebellious spirit? How would you know if you were in the midst of a, uh, someone carrying the spirit of witchcraft? And I was going to actually walk you through that so that you would be more knowledgeable and have more understanding if you came into contact with that spirit and say, oh, I know what that spirit is. So it was good to me. Amen. Typing that thing out. Saying, ooh, thank you, Abba. Then all of a sudden, I see the stop sign in the spirit. And I say, I know what that means. Mm -mm -mm. I say, no, Abba. <laughs> I'm almost done with this message. Because I like to sit and marinate with my message for several days. And I said, I'm almost done. And then I heard a voice from heaven say, Go no further with this message. And I was uh, talking about somebody that was somber. <laughs> I went from, ooh, this is good, to, oh, come on, Abba. Help a sister out. So I knew what that means. So I had to fall back on my knees. And I said, all right, Father, if this is not the message, what is the message? I need you to give it to me. So it took me about a good 30 minutes, 15 minutes of violent tongues, and then 15 minutes of silence um, before I heard him speak. And so he told me that he wanted me to walk you through the scriptures to see how his son practiced discernment. And he also wanted me in and during that process to show you that not only how his son walked through discernment, but what that entailed when he did it and how he was able to do it with the connection from heaven. So he changed my whole message today. And so that's why we started off with the father knows what I need. The Father knows what we need. The Father knows what the sheep needs. And ultimately, the Father knows what his sons and daughters need. We don't know, but he knows. So we got to be led by him. Amen? Amen. So, all right. Thank you, Father. Now, discernment is necessary as we went through these lessons and seen in every area of our lives when relating to others and those that, you know, may be around us in our close circles or those that are far away or those in which we just meet. So as previously that I mentioned in several of the other lessons, without discernments, we begin to fall prey to unpleasant situations and unnecessary hard times because we lack the ability to operate in discernment. So have you ever looked back at a problem or a situation that you've been through and you said to yourself, I sense that that was the case, but 
I did not listen to the unction of the Holy Spirit. If only if I had listened to the unction of the Holy Spirit. So we must remember that the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us and lead us into all truth. John 16, 13 through 15 says that, did I have that uh, scripture? John 16, 13 through 15, amen. John 16, 13 through 15 says, the spirit of truth will come and guide you in all truth. We're going to get to the message, but we got to get this in here first. The spirit of truth will come and guide you into all truth. What does that tell us? We are not the source of truth. Your intellect is not the source of truth. You are a vessel. You are to receive truth. Amen? Amen. It says that he will not speak his own words to you. So he don't come with his own assignment. He don't come with his own agenda. He don't come with his own plan. He says he will not speak his own words to you. It says that he will speak what he hears, revealing to you the things to come and bringing glory to me sounds like something that we should be doing too. Hearing, speaking, revealing, bringing glory. It says the spirit has unlimited access. Somebody say unlimited access. It says the spirit has unlimited access to me. Mm. Amen which means that we definitely need to be led by the Spirit. If he has unlimited access to the Father, unlimited access to the Son, it says, and to all that I possess. How many of you waiting on some stuff in which the Father promised you? Amen. So he says he not only has unlimited access to me, he has access to all that I possess. And he has access to all that I know, meaning truth. So just as everything the Father has is mine, that is the reason I am confident that he will care for my own, which is his sons and daughters, and reveal the path to you. Therefore, we must learn how to do what? Cooperate and yield to the Holy Spirit's leading. We will save ourselves from difficult relationships and complex situations. Also, we won't be deceived by others and we will find it also easier to minister to people when we walk in discernment. Finally, we will not end up in the wrong places when we walk in discernment. Our Father is what? Merciful. And so even if we get off and we find ourselves with a lack of discernment, the Bible says that he will rescue us. So he will use all things together for our good. But at the same time, we have to be careful because when we lack discernment, there does carry consequences. So we got to make sure that we're operating in discernment. So first, we need to learn. Remember, in the previous lessons that I told you that discernment is a skill. You have to exercise it. It has to mature. And then it becomes a skill in your life. So we need to mature in this area. Jesus Christ, our Lord, because we gave him our life, our Lord, and our brother walked in spiritual discernment. And so I'm now getting ready to walk you through the scriptures to show you this Jesus was a bad dude. <laughs> He was. Jesus was a bad dude. So we're getting ready to walk you through scriptures. And so I want to welcome you to the last lesson of the discernment, spirit, the discernment series. And it is entitled, The Life of Jesus and Discernment. Amen? Amen. All right, let us get right into it. Now, I want you to, this is a teaching slash preaching message. 
but I want you to make sure that you are carefully following me because we, we're diving into the scriptures. So I'm going to need you to follow me. Um, ADM and, and whoever is operating the Alana, okay, I'm going to need you to follow me because this I need them to follow me as I walk them through the scriptures. There's certain things that I need to show them in the scriptures. So I'm going to need you to follow me as I go through these scriptures. Now, first thing is that Jesus discerned when virtue left him. Jesus discerned when virtue left him. Now, our brother Jesus walked in so much power that he knew when power left him. So as our brother walked as a man during his anointed earthly ministry, he had to sense things and use discernment just like us. Jesus knew that virtue had left him, but he did not know what happened at that point. So this account that we're getting ready to go through can be found when, remember, the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, our brother. Let's go through it. Luke 8, 43 through 46. Now, the stuff that I have highlighted in yellow are the things that I'm going to dive deeper into once we read the scripture. So pay attention to those things in particular. And verse 33 says, and a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me for I perceived Another word for perceived is, is discern. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Now, the Greek word for virtue is dynamis. So he said he perceived that strength left him. He perceived that power left him. He perceived that ability, inherit power, power to perform miracles, moral power of excellence of his soul, the power to influence what belongs to riches and wealth left him, the power and resources arising from numbers, the power consisting of in or resting upon armies and forces and hosts. He said, virtue left me. So it is only after Jesus asked the question that the woman admitted and said, what happened? Verse 47. It says, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. It says the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Now, and you're like, Dr. Hardy, what does that mean for us? Well, if we're going to be effective as sons and daughters of God, we need to perceive or discern when virtue and power leaves us and when we need to be refilled and refreshed by the Spirit. If we are not sensitive to this, it will eventually catch up with us every single time you come into contact with the person virtue leaves you. Every single time you minister to somebody, you encourage somebody, you give somebody a word, virtue leaves you. Every single time you work with somebody, whether it's your co-workers or your family members, virtue leaves you. So you have to understand every single time you teach a message, you preach a message, you minister a message, you sing a song, you do worship, virtue leaves you. So if you are not knowledgeable about this and you do not discern when virtue leaves you, you will be empty and wondering why you're exhausted. So we have to discern when virtue leaves us because we are going to do mighty and great things in God. The crazy thing about this is that we were reading on the reading call about 
evangelist, what was his name? Jack Cole. And it called him the man of great faith. And how much he, many think, oh my God, he did so many great things in God. But it said that his, what, his life was cut at age 38. The man had a great ministry. He healed, he did miracles. He had the pretty much the largest uh, probably working miracles tent that could be out there. But the thing about it, the reason why his life was cut short at the age of 38, because he did not discern when he needed to rest. And so what it did, it opened up a door for sickness because he was not resting. And this man performed great miracles. He did great things in God, a great man of faith. 38, your ministry cut short. You just beginning the ministry at age 38. You just really getting your foot in the door. But at the same time, he was doing all the healing. He was doing all the teaching. He was doing it practically all by himself. And at the same time, he wasn't resting. And so that's why his ministry got cut short. And so it brought me to um, a place where I also was thinking I wanted to go to the woman Darth Luke's conference. I did. I did. I'm, look, if I'm going to pay $175 for something, I better be going. I don't just have free money to give away. Amen. And so I wanted to go. I desired to go. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you don't get some rest, you're not going to be able to preach this message. He said, if you don't lay down, you're going to be empty. Now, look, I didn't, you know, preach the message before empty and then the Spirit filled me as I was preaching the message. But this was a different type of emptiness. This was the type of emptiness that will open the door for sickness if you don't get some rest. And so I knew better. I said, let, well, let me stay. And so I was obedient to what the Spirit said because I, I, was I was already drained from a previous conference that I went to. And it was just not wisdom for me to go to another one knowing that even though I had received a lot of great stuff from that conference, it literally just drained me. And so I needed to be filled back up. And so we have to discern when we need a refreshing from him, when we need to be filled back up with him. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, number two, Jesus discerned the reason behind a physical ailment. Jesus discerned the reason behind a physical ailment. Now, when we read scripture, we learn that Jesus healed sickness and diseases in different ways. He never did it the same way. One thing that determined how our brother Jesus administered healing was the ability to discern the root cause of an illness. So likewise, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern the root cause of an illness in someone. And we need to be able to also to be led by the Spirit for the strategy. Why? Because there is no cookie cutter way for deliverance. We need to be led for the root and we need to be led for the strategy as well. <clears throat> Amen. So let's see a few examples of how our brother Jesus healed people through discernment. Luke 13, 10 through 13. Verse 10 says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now the Greek word used for infirmity is asthenia. It means to make feeble. It means to make weak. 
It means an incurable disorder of the body. It means disease. It means sickness. So we have here a demonic spirit making her feeble, making her weak, and giving her an incurable disorder. Now, we see that this woman was bowed down because she had a spirit of infirmity binding her in a crippling position. It was not a medical ailment that needed to be healed, but it was a demonic spirit that needed to be cast out of her. So you can see with the first woman with the issue of blood, that issue was not a medical one. The woman with the issue of infirmity had a demonic issue. So you see how healing and deliverance and discernment and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand together. So some people, hallelujah, will have medical issues because they are eating the wrong things. You won't be able to heal those things because they need to eat better and exercise. Amen? Amen. You will not... Hey. Some people will have medical issues or issues in general because they did not follow the instructions God told them to do and not, it's not because something needs to be cast out of them. They needed to go back and do what God said to do, and then you will get deliverance. And so laying your hands on them won't do nothing. Some people will have a mental health issue because they refuse to read the word. They refuse to come to church to get a renewed mind. And you laying your hands on them will not get them loosed. Some people will have an issue because they refuse to forgive. They refuse to forgive someone that caused them a physical ailment that's in their body. And it won't be until they say, I forgive my mother for neglecting me and leaving me when I was younger. And then they will be loose from the autoimmune disease. Some people will have issues because of the music that they are listening to, the stuff that they're watching on TV, the stuff that they're watching on social media, the books that they are reading that are causing their issues of fear, that's causing their issues of anxiety, that's causing the issues of sickness. So you laying your hands on them will not be a solution because they need to guard their gates. Help me, Holy Spirit. Some people will have issues because they came into agreement with a demonic spirit about their situation and they need to walk through some renunciations and break agreement with things that they agreed to in their past before deliverance can even take place. Some women will have health issues because they use their bodies as weapons to work witchcraft on men to get what they want and rebuking the health conditions will not set them free until they realize that the temple is made to be holy. And in contrast, some people won't be able to get delivered because we, meaning the sons and daughters of God, are not built up enough in the spirit. We haven't prayed enough. We haven't fasted enough. We don't take our spiritual life serious. So the demonic spirit won't be cast out because of our own spiritual condition and our own maturity level. So we must know that as well. So you see how you need to discern the issue and the root of a thing. And after you've done that, you need to work with the Holy Spirit. So that healing and deliverance can be easier. We need to ask the person questions and then ask the Holy Spirit for direction. And through discernment, we will be directed on what to do with the person. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Mark 7, 31 through 35. 
Verse 31 says, and again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ear. This is still perplexing me. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, epitaph, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears are open and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain, the Bible says. So I want to make sure that I point out that the spirit Jesus is dealing with here is a deaf and dumb spirit. If you look at the last phase, it says, and the string of his tongue was loosed. This was not a natural string. In the spirit, this man's tongue was tied and bound by a spirit of a demonic spirit and a string apparatus in the spirit and being enforced by a deaf and dumb spirit. And so when Jesus comes unto him and spoke unto him, the string, the Bible says, was loosed. But isn't it funny how Jesus encounters another deaf and dumb spirit in the same book of Luke? A little bit later on in chapter 9, you can write this down, it's not up there. It's Luke chapter 9, verse 17 through 25. Now, in that account, remember that the father came to Jesus and said that with his son, he said that the deaf and the dumb spirit robs him of his speech. It was the account where he says that it, the spirit casts him to the ground, throws him to the fire, throws him into the water, makes him foam at the mouth, makes him gnash at the teeth. And he says this been going on since childhood. You remember that? But in the case, the father of the boy said that the disciples could not cast the deaf and the dumb spirit out. Because what? They neglected prayer and fasting. And, it would, and that is in Mark's account. Mark is the one who brought that out in his account in chapter 9. He tells us this when he gives this account, but it's of the same incident, same spirit. Different tactic to remove it. So we need discernment. Those that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If we are reading and listening to our Father, He's literally unlocking the mysteries of the kingdom right before our eyes. This was the same deaf and dumb spirit. So why couldn't the disciples cast it out? If we go back to Luke account, we see Jesus asked the father a question. He asked him, how long has this been going on? Remember, the father says it's been since childhood this has been going on. Now, in the first account, we looked at that when the Bible says that Jesus loose the string of the tongue of the deaf and dumb spirit, that hadn't been since childhood. But in the second account, they brought out the situation that it had been since childhood. So guess what? There's the difference. So we are dealing with what? A generational spirit. We're dealing with a strong man. So you just cannot cast out a strong man. You cannot just cast out a strong man without what? Prayer and fasting. Because it's been there since childhood. It ain't going nowhere if you ain't been prayed up and fasted up. So what does that tell us? If we're going to cast the spirit out of somebody and it's been an issue or the root of the issue has been since childhood, your team better have been prayed up and fasted up or that spirit is not coming out. Number three, Jesus discerns the thoughts of people. Now, during the earthly ministry of Jesus, 
had discerned people's thoughts without them even having to say a word out of their mouth. Jesus was a bad dude. <laughs> In this scripture, we will look at how the scribes thought within themselves, not out loud, but within if Jesus would heal a person unlawfully. But Jesus knew, he discerned their thoughts and he addressed them. Matthew 9, 1 through 5. Verse 9 says, And he entered a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins have been forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, not out loud, within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk? So they didn't have to say a word out of their mouth. He knew their thoughts. He discerned their thoughts. His ears was constantly, hallelujah, pressed upon heaven, constantly hearing the Father's voice. Otherwise, he wouldn't have known their thoughts if the Father hadn't told him what they were saying. In the next account we will see in Scripture, the disciples were reasoning in their minds. They weren't reasoning out loud. They were reasoning in their minds. They were having a conversation with themselves, in themselves, who would be the greatest amongst them. And although this account is quite interesting, the Bible says that there was reasoning amongst themselves. In other words, it was just in their thinking process and Jesus discerned it and he addressed it. Luke 9, 46 through 48. Verse 46 says, Then there arose a reasoning among them. Which of them should be greatest? And Jesus perceiving, meaning discerning, the thoughts of their heart took a child and set him by him and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you the same shall be great. Now, I know you don't believe me, but if you look up the word reasoning actually in this scripture, in the Greek, you will get the word dialgimas, dialgimas. And it means the thinking of a man deliberating within himself, a thought or an inward reasoning, a questioning about what is true. And it solidified this is the case because right after they said it inside of themselves, it said that Jesus perceived or he discerned the thoughts of their heart. There would no need to discern if they said it out loud. It would be no need to perceive something if somebody said it out loud. You only perceive or discern something in which something you do not know naturally. In the next account, I want to show you after the miracle, this was after the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. When the people wanted to take Jesus by force, the scripture says, they did this to make him an earthly king. And it says that Jesus perceived or discerned their intent and he avoided it. John 6, 14 through 15. Verse 14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth. 
that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived or discerned that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now let's look at this. Look at what they said in verse 14. Let's go back. They said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Now, how did Jesus get that out of that? That's all they said. They said, this is of a truth. That this prophet, this would be the prophet that comes from. But then, but discernment allows you to tap into the heart of a person and get what they're really talking about. Because if we're thinking about this naturally, it didn't line up with what they said and how Jesus said, they're going to try to make me an earthly king. He would only know that if the father told him that. Because it didn't line up with what they said. All they pretty much was doing was giving, giving him a compliment and pretty much saying what the prophet, okay, this is the prophet that will come into the world. But he knew that by what they said, oh, they're going to try to make me an earthly king. So what did he do? The Bible says that he departed. Because <laughs> he said, look, it's not my time. <laughs> Amen. So we can learn from our brother Jesus that it is important to discern and become more sensitive to our environments. In what people say to us. Not become paranoid. Because that's something totally different. But we want to become discerning, having our ear to heaven, hearing what the Spirit is saying, being led by the Spirit. Number four, Jesus discerned the motives of people. Jesus discerned the motives of people. Have you ever been caught unaware by someone in your sphere or influence or your circle of influence? And then suddenly you saw another side of them that you had never expected before? Unfortunately, many of us has experienced this when we relate to other people. Do you know that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was never caught unaware and caught off guard? We know Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus but it didn't catch our brother by surprise. Amen? Amen? Also in scripture, we see some disciples turn back from following Jesus when they did not understand what he said. So this too did not take Jesus by surprise when they left. John 6, 56 through 66. Verse 56 says, He that eateth my flesh... I'm going to need you to make sure you pay attention to this. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living father has sent me and I live by the father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum, many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this saying, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Verse 61, it says, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Verse 62, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? It is the spirit that quicketh the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew or discerned from the what? Beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me 
except it were given him unto my father. Verse 66 says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. <laughs> the scripture said that Jesus knew. He discerned. He discerned it in the beginning. And the telltale sign would be that they would murmur. And they would get offended. Once he said it, and those would be the ones that would leave. The father says, when you hear them murmur, when you hear them complaining, when you hear that they got offended, those are the ones that's going to leave. How would he know it? Unless the father told him that from the beginning. He wasn't caught off guard when the, the, the 70 left. He wasn't caught off guard when Judas betrayed him. The father had already told him that he was going to do it. He was just waiting on the story to unfold. So next we'll look at when the Pharisees tried to catch Jesus in his talk. And our brother Jesus perceived or discerned, the Bible said, his, their wickedness. Matthew 22, 15 through 18. Verse 15 says, then went the Pharisees and took counsel, so they met together, how they might entangle him in his talk. Lord have mercy. Ooh, I could have said a lot about that, but I won't. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians said, Master, we know that thou art true. So they started with something flattering. Usually that's how it goes. Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Verse 18. But Jesus perceived or discerned their wickedness. And said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? <laughs> and so basically he told them, why are you coming and asking me this question, you hypocrite? You, you don't care nothing about Caesar. <laughs> but you want to ask me a question about Caesar in order to trick me up when... You can care less about giving tribute to Caesar. You don't give tribute to Caesar. But you want to ask me about giving tribute to Caesar. <laughs> but the word says that he discerned their wickedness to trap him. Verse number five. I was about to say verse five. Number five. Jesus knew the spiritual condition of his disciples. Now, this one got me. <laughs> it did. Jesus knew the spiritual condition of his disciples. Our brother Jesus prayed for his own disciples. And we see this literally in John 17 and 9. Bring up John 17 and 9 for me. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Interesting, huh? He said, I pray for them, meaning his disciples. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. So our brother was aware of the enemy's plans for Simon Peter, even before it happened. We're going to look at it. Luke 22, verse 31 through 32. And verse 31 says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked. Hmm. Satan has asked, which means he couldn't do it from his own authority. He had to ask. Satan has asked to sift each of you. So he's asking for every single disciple to be sifted. He is asked to sift each of you like wheat. 
verse 32 says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, he said, turn around and strengthen your brothers. Therefore, Jesus would often pray for his disciples because he knew Satan had been trying his best to separate them and sift them. What do you think he's trying to do in Divine Generation Church? You see, people come and they go, Satan sifting them like wheat. Sifting them like chaff from the wheat, the Bible says. So he has always been in constant prayer for his disciples. And that is another reason why we pray for one another. Because Satan is constantly before the father asking, can I sift Courtney like wheat? Can I sift Pastor Pierre? Can I sift Ola? Constantly asking to, for you to be sifted and for you to be what? Disconnected from the vine. And on top of that, he knew exactly what to pray for. Because if we go back, he said, I pleaded for you in prayer, Simon. He didn't just do a, a just regular general prayer. He said, I pleaded that your faith should not fail. He knew Simon had a faith issue. So he prayed exactly whatever what his disciples' issues was. And that issue would not fail. Now let's look at our last scriptures. These are our last scriptures. John, we're going to look at John 11, 1 through 3. And then we're going to look at John 11, 11 through 13. <laughs> this is funny. John 11, 1 through 3, verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town, of Mar the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, verse 3, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, let's drop down to verse 11 through 13. You got to see this. Verse 11 says, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Verse 13, how be it? Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now you have to understand, Jesus cared that Lazarus was sick. He knew when Lazarus had died before they got there. Nobody told him that Lazarus was dead. The only message that was relayed to Jesus was that Lazarus was sick. Remember in verse 3, when they arrived on the scene, they said the one in which you love is sick, which means that the journey in which they had took, they left him. Lazarus was alive, but he was sick. So we got to remember they didn't have no cars in those days. So a journey took a long time. And he discerned through his father's voice that Lazarus was dead. But dead to him meant that he was asleep spiritually because he had power over death, hell, and the grave. Because anytime that you can tell somebody that you don't take my life, I'll lay it down and then I'm going to raise it back up again. You got to know who you're in the presence of. You're in the presence of the one that's able to resurrect any dead thing. So guess what? Lazarus was asleep because he had power over death. 
And that's why at the end, he basically, because it was like, well, if he sleep, then basically it was like, he sleep, he good then. And Jesus, in one of those situations, like, how long am I? Lazarus is dead. Okay. <laughs> he sleep to me because I'm the resurrected one. But I'm letting you know, you left Lazarus sick and he was alive, but Lazarus is dead. Okay. <laughs> Amen. So, <laughs> we can see that our brother had great sensitivity and discernment through his earthly ministry. Now, all this discernment is only possible because our brother humbled himself. He became like a child. He listened to heaven. He had his ear in tune to heaven. He sought the Father in everything. There is no discernment without hearing the Father's voice. There is no discernment without being led by the Spirit. There is no discernment without him growing in wisdom and in stature. There is no discernment without him sitting and learning and asking questions in the temple. There is no discernment without him separating himself from the crowd to grow prey and hear from heaven like a child. He is the blueprint for discernment. So in the first lesson that I taught and I laid my hands on people, I stirred up the gift of discernment that was already in you. Now, remember when I said you, everyone that is a son and daughter of God has discernment, especially if you have Christ in you, the seed, you have discernment. So when I laid my hands on everybody in the first lesson that I stirred up discernment in you, then I did an impartation prayer of discernment in the last one in which I did. And so this time, I will pray a prayer of awakening. And I will allow the Holy Spirit to give the gift of discerning of spirits to whomever he chooses to give it to. Now remember, there's discernment and then there's the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, I have the gift of discerning of spirits, but the Father told me, not to lay hands for that particular gift because he said he wants the Holy Spirit to give it as he chooses.